Jesus tells lots of parables, right? I thought you'd been to Sunday school, at least three of you, okay? And they're always deeper meanings. It's a simple parable, but it's got some depth to it. And he tells this story about this guy is going away on a journey, and he gives one guy one talent, gives another guy two talents, and gives another guy five talents. And we realize that the point of the story is about expectations. Now, I don't know why, like, one guy got one, and one guy got two, and one guy got five. I have no idea. God's sovereign. I don't know why there are one-talent people, two-talent people, five-talent people. He's sovereign. There just, just is. There just are. But in this story, it is a story about expectations and capacity. And in the story, even though there was a guy who was basically one talent, and there was a guy that had two talents, and there was a guy that had five talents, the, the one talent person, did Jesus have expectations? He did. Yes? More of you have been to Sunday school than three of you, right? Right? So, and, and, and the guy with two... There was expectations. The guy with five, there were expectations. So in the parable of the talents, there was like this expectation that everyone would expand their capacity. And I want to talk about capacity today. I've never done this before. I've never explored this topic before. But I I want to talk about capacity because you have capacity. Now, who told you that you have limited capacity? Who came alongside of you and said, your capacity is this far, this big, and no more? Who in your life has limited your capacity? And I want to start with a verse that I've never, ever preached on. I've never heard it in a sermon before, but it's a capacity verse. And what God does to Moses is he gives him a vision of capacity. And it all came from our Heavenly Father. So it's in Exodus chapter 7. If you've got the Harborside app, download. We've got lots of fill-ins, lots of blanks today. But, and we have lots of scriptures at the end. But in Exodus chapter 7, verse 1, then the Lord said to Moses, see, I've made you like God to Pharaoh. Now that's capacity. I've made you like God. Now, the Lord God, Jehovah, is not saying to Moses, I've made you a God. He is saying, I've made you like God. In other words, I've given you this giant-sized bowl of capacity, and this is how Pharaoh will see you. I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. What's your capacity? How, How big is it? And is it growing? Is it expanding? Are you developing? Are you stuck? Are you in the same place that you've always been? Or is your territory getting larger and larger and larger by your heavenly Father? Now, the question would be why. What's the big why behind this? Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And so the reason that God wants your territory to expand is because you have leverage you have influence, you have relationships, you have connections, you have people. The reason is, it is to your Father's glory that you bear a lot of fruit for Him. And so, 
I always love how the fact that when Jesus calls you and me, and he pronounces something over someone like this, all those insecurities just rise up. All the pushback just starts to come. How could, I, how could I have a greater capacity? How could I be a one talent, a two talent, a five? How could I do these things? And all the pushback comes because we, we start to resist it. But when God says to you, you are anointed, he means you're anointed. When God says to you that you are seated with Christ in the heavenlies, he means you are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. When God says you are separated and you are separate and you are a holy people, everything God says about you is absolutely true. You know there's a difference between facts and truth? There's a big difference. The facts are this is the way it is right now. But the truth is this is how it could be. And the truth is not where you are but where he wants you to be is who he's calling you to be. So it's kind of like when he called the disciples. I mean, Jesus prayed all night, and he picked those disciples. I mean, if you were, like, in charge of HR, would you have picked those guys? I mean, really? Those guys. And so he calls Peter a rock when Peter was only a pebble. I love this story in John. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, and he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means the rock. And at that moment... All Peter's insecurities are rising up inside of him. Me, a rock? I can't even fish well. I can't even run a fishing business. I can't even get two boats to work. I mean, can you imagine the insecurities that were rising up within Peter? And right now, your insecurities are rising up because you're asking, how could I ever grow and have expanded capacity? Well, I want to introduce you to what's called a paradox today. And you know what a paradox is. You remember this from English 100 years ago? (laughs) Two apparently conflicting ideas contained in the same truth. Two apparently conflicting ideas, but but they're actually true. So here's, here's the paradox. You and I are to bring the future into the present, and we work on it. Say, what? You and I are to bring the future. You do this every day. You work on something today, hoping something greater will happen tomorrow. You go to work, hoping that what you do today will have benefits and payoff tomorrow. It's also what you do every time you walk. I'm going to be very careful on top of this. But if you walk on a sidewalk or you're taking like a, a, a hike, a trail, you're doing two things. You're looking down and you're looking up. You're looking down and you're looking up. You're looking down and you're you, where am I and where's my future? Where am I and where's my future? If you only look down, you don't have, you have a clue where you're going. If you only look up, you won't know how to get there. So you and I are bringing the future into the present. This is why we read our Bibles. Today, I read my Bible so that tomorrow I can grow. Today, I learn to pray so that tomorrow I can get those things answered. Today, I do this. I join a connect group where I bring boxes and I I serve. I, I have a connect group where I'm actually involved in community and I begin to grow. I do something today which brings my future, which expands my capacity. The whole point of this sermon is how can you have a greater territory? Now, here's a challenge for those of us that are teaching pastors at Harborside. You already have a large territory. 
We speak to people every Sunday who are incredibly bright. I said that in first service, and the guy sitting right here said, amen, brother. And I said, well, you may be bright, but you're not very humble. You have territories. You have influence. You have roles. You have positions. I speak every week. We all do to really smart people who have big territories. But it is to your Father's glory that you bear even more fruit, and he wants to expand your territory. So we live, we live in the present, but we bring the future into it. We are to live fully in the present, though, with the future in mind. What can God do in my life? Now, your present and your future overlap somewhere. This is brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant. Somewhere in your life, I'm doing stuff today that's going to affect tomorrow. I'm doing stuff today that will affect tomorrow. It's a lot like investing. If you're investing in retirement, you're doing something today that will pay off dividends tomorrow, right? It's the same kind of concept. And this overlap is brilliant because it keeps the enemy confused. The enemy wants you to focus on your past. But when you're focused on the present and the future, the enemy's all confused. Now, let me give you three more things that really don't work before we talk about the things that do work. What, what really doesn't work is when you focus on your past. And some people are always talking about the past. They're always talking about their bitterness I got cheated, I got betrayed, my parents, my grandparents, my first boss, my first company, everybody, they they talk about their their marriage, they talk about the things that, that didn't work. When you just talk about the past, you can talk about the past all week long, but it's just not very helpful. You you don't go anywhere by talking about the past. You can also only talk about the present. This is where I am, this is what I'm doing here in the moment. But see, that, that doesn't make progress. You, you never go anywhere if you're only living in the present. Also, if you only live in the future and you're chasing fantasies and you're chasing things and you never put any feet to anything, you, you, you really won't go anywhere either. So, Kurt, you're not being very helpful yet. I know. I'm explaining to you why you're stuck. I'm explaining to you why your capacity has stayed the same the last five years. But my heart today is that all of us will bear more fruit. My heart today is that wherever you are, I guess I could use this one too. That's kind of cool. I got four of these. It doesn't matter where you are. What God can do in your life is God can expand your territory. It doesn't matter if you're one talent, two talent, three talent, five. It doesn't matter. The point is, can God grow you because you're in spheres of influence? It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Who you are is not the same as where you are. I I don't know where you are, but I know who you are. I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're stuck. I don't know if you're living in the past. I don't know if you're living only for fantasies in the future. I don't know if you're living just moment by moment. I I don't know where you are. I just know who you are. I know that you have been called by your heavenly father. I know you are a son, a daughter of the king. 
I know that there was a man named Jesus who gave his life, who gave his life on a cross so that all of your sins could be forgiven. I know that you can be without shame, without pain, without guilt. With, I, I, I don't know where you are. I just know who you are. And I've looked back at my own capacity. I've looked back at my own life when I've been stuck. And when I've gotten stuck, I begin to focus on where I am, not who I am. And those are completely different facts. The truth is, I'm a son, and you're a son and a, or a daughter of the king. I don't know where you are today. I just know who you are. And that's far more exciting to me as to who you are than, than even where you are. So what do we do? You're still not being very helpful. All right, let's, t- let's do some baby steps. How can you expand your territory? There's another verse that Jesus said that really troubled me. He says, ask anything according to my will, and it will be done unto you, and you will do greater things than these. Now, how in the world are we going to do greater things than Jesus? That verse has troubled me for years. Then I began to realize that Jesus could only be in one place at one time in, in time and space in history. You can be in a school. You can be at work, you can be at Target, you can be at a restaurant, you can be driving on US 19 and still be a Christian. You can do all kinds of things, and you can be places where Jesus could not be when he was a man and fully God on this earth. You can be everywhere. We we are everywhere. We're like spies all over the land. And so what do we do then to expand your territory? So my goal today is for you not to be stuck. My goal for you today is if you're a one-talent person, to use all the talents you got. Don't bury them. The one-talent guy buried his talent in the ground. And what's so interesting about that is the one-talent was given to the five-talent guy. We'll circle back to that story sometime this year. All right, here's four baby steps. We want some progress. So what do we do? We put our faith in something and in someone. I I can't encourage you enough because you already do this. Even today in this room, if you're not a Christian, you already do this. If, if you're not a believer this morning, let's be honest, you put your faith in someone, probably yourself, or you put your faith in something, maybe it's your education, maybe it's a philosophy. Everybody in the room do, does this. So my, my encouragement to you is, why don't you put your faith and trust, if Jesus were a boxer, He'd be the undefeated heavyweight champion of the world. He never lost. He never lost an argument. He never lost a conversation. If Jesus were a major league baseball player, he'd be batting a thousand. Golfers in the room. If Jesus played 18 holes of golf, what would Jesus' score be? Yeah, he'd hit a hole in one every hole, wouldn't he? And he wouldn't say bad words. I mean, he would be happy. He'd be in the zone. Every, he'd be in the middle of the fairway every time he played. Everywhere Jesus went, he was redemptive. He was redemptive. Now think about this. Jesus never walked into a situation where somebody was blind or somebody was caught in adultery or somebody got some issues, and he goes, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, you're in trouble. You're right. See ya. I mean... I mean, everywhere Jesus went, he was redemptive. He always won. I'm just encouraging you, if I were you, 
I would put all of my faith and all of my trust in the one who said, I'm going to lay my life down, and three days later, I'm going to... And he got up, and he walked out of the grave. Have you got somebody better than that to put your faith in? If you do, let me know. I haven't found anybody greater or better than Jesus. And put your faith in something. I just, I think the Bible is just amazing. I've been studying the Bible for 35, 36 years now. I am in awe of how it fits together. I'm in awe of how this all works together. I think the greatest miracle in the Bible is the Bible. I really do. Baby step number two is surround yourself with people who have what you want. Now, the trick here is you've got to figure out what do you want. And so if, if you want to learn to pray, you surround yourself with people who actually know how to pray. They don't just throw up a couple and hope they go through the ceiling. But if you want to learn to pray, you get around prayers. If you want to learn to be generous, you don't hang around greedy people, right? I mean, and by the way, I learned this lesson along the way. You know who, who generous people are? Generous people are not rich people, and generous people are not poor people. They're just generous. They're just generous people. Generous people are rich and poor. They're, they're just generous. I had one grandmother that was wealthy and tight. I had another grandmother that was poor and the most generous person I ever met. Which one do you think was happy? Mm-hmm. The generous one. If you want to learn the Bible... You hang around people who actually study the scriptures and read the Bible. If you want to have peace in your life, if you want to be a peaceful person, if you want to have hope, if you want to have joy, don't hang around people that are just anxious and worried about everything. Hang around people who actually believe that God is in, in large and in charge. So you surround yourself. I, I've done this with, I'm not a businessman. I got two theological degrees. What good does that do you run in an organization like Harborside? Very little. And I've surrounded myself with businessmen. And these businessmen are way ahead of me. And these businessmen have taught me so much about leadership and hiring and conflict and management. I've learned so much by surrounding myself with people who are miles ahead of me. But you've got to know what you want. What do you want? Baby step number three. You ask God to move you in the direction that you desire. I remember when Denise and I were years ago at a walk through the Bible conference, a four-day Bible conference with walk through the Bible. I think I was 28, 29 years old, maybe 30. And I remember Bruce Wilkinson taught for four days. And Bruce Wilkinson was the president of walk through the Bible. And for four days, this guy is teaching the scriptures like I have never heard before. He's weaving scriptures and themes and theology and doctrine, and I'm like, wow. And I can remember thinking, how do I get from here to there? God, I, I don't think I can do it. But I'm going to ask you to do something that I can't. How, Lord, can you get me from You're going, yeah, you're still not there. But my plan was to keep growing. And I'll never forget a professor in college. I had great professors in, in college. But one professor said something that I wish he had never would have said. He said, you preacher boys at age 30, you won't get any better. And I actually believed that. 
And so I thought, man, I got to hurry up, you know, at 27, 28, because I got about two or three more years and that's it. I'm done. And I realized, who put that lid on me? Who put that lid on you? Who said your capacity is, is this much or this much or, or even this much? Maybe your capacity is a barrel or a swimming pool. Who, who said that? Not your heavenly father. Your heavenly father never said that. I, I'm, I'm so impressed with our teaching pastors at Harborside. I'm so impressed. I don't know of another church in our land that has five or six guys who can get up here and teach like all five or six of these guys can. But I want you to know we work at this. We have a culture that says we can get better, we can get better, we can get better, which really is saying our territory can get better, our capacity can get larger, we can get better. And so these guys will preach their message. Before they preach on a Sunday morning, these guys actually stand up here, Griffin and Tom Good at the last two weeks, up here, and five or six of us then are in the room. It's empty room, but we're all like in chairs all over the room. And they'll all tell you that preaching in front of us is a whole lot more difficult than preaching in front of you. And then about a year or so ago, I had somebody come up to me and said, you know what, if you keep letting these guys get better and better and better, they're going to have churches of their own someday and leave. Like, it's all about us? It's not about the kingdom of God? I just smiled and said, yeah, you're right. They're not going anywhere right now. They don't want to go anywhere. But if they did and they do want to have a church of their own, we set them up for success. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about you bearing much fruit. Then this last baby step, I mean, we could have put five or six different words in here. It's just keep learning, keep growing, keep expanding. Uh, There's just a whole bunch of action verbs that we could have used for this. And you can fill in whichever one really fits for you. You, you, you keep growing. You, you just keep growing. Do, do, do you know who you are? I don't know where you are. And that's not even the point. Who, do you know who you are? Well, let's be reminded of this. You're a chosen people. And when you hear that word, every one of your faults and sins and mistakes from the past begin to rise up. Will you put those back in the pit of hell where they belong? They belong in the depth of the sea. Because when Jesus cleanses you from unrighteousness, you are really clean. He cleanses you from your past, your present, and your future. You were chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's special possession. That you may declare the praise of him who called you out of his darkness into his wonderful life. What he wants you to do is he wants you to be able to tell people... I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was greedy. I once struggled with anger. I once struggled with lust. I once struggled with my own self-centeredness. But I want you to know what I have become because of Jesus. That's the point of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not that you like somehow self-help yourself into becoming a better, larger capacity. It's what Christ in you wants to do, the hope of glory. You declare his praises. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. That's what God says about you. That's the truth. I don't know what the facts are, but this is called the truth. 
God made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ. I can walk every day realizing I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Wow, that's cool. That's amazing. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. You know what this means? This means he will take your sin, your greed, your stuff, your gunk, your baggage, and he will make you free and clean. He will transform you. It means there's nothing that's impossible by the power and the Spirit of God. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people. And we're now members of his household. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And to him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit, which is simply saying that God's Holy Spirit deeply desires to live fully and freely inside of you. In May of 1954, Roger Bannister did something that no one had ever done and they thought was completely impossible. In May of 1954, Roger Bannister ran a mile in under four minutes. And scientists and historians said, it'll never happen. And Roger Bannister, in May of 1954, he broke a mental barrier. And after that, within 10 years, 336 men ran a mile under four minutes. Why? Because he broke a mental barrier. Now, if a guy like Roger Bannister can believe that his body has a greater capacity that's ever been done before, what can the Holy Spirit do in you? What kind of a wife and a mom can he make you? What kind of a dad, a father can he make you? How can you as a marriage mentor get better and better and better? How can you as a connect group leader get better and better and better? How can you bear more fruit at work? How can you bear more fruit at school? How can you bear more fruit in your neighborhood? If Roger Bannister broke a physical barrier, imagine what the Holy Spirit can do in you and through you and among all of us. There's no limits. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay down here. There's nothing wrong with starting here. I think there's everything wrong with staying here. Where are you? I mean, are you reading your Bibles? Are you prayed up? what, What do you desire? Do you desire for God to use you in your family, in your neighborhood, in your place of employment? Where are you? I don't know. I just know who you are. Yesterday I had two weddings, and I've, I've got one this afternoon, and the wedding chapel is just slammed. I mean, it's, this, is, this is my weekend, so as a pastor, you've got three or four in a weekend, and this is my weekend, and I've, I've got three. And most of the weddings, uh, when you meet with them, they're, they're in the process, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. They're not really understanding that God created all this, God created marriage, and we're walking people through this. And the marriage mentors are doing a fantastic job in teaching skills. And never will forget one undercover police officer, he just said to me, he said, gosh, I never knew God did all that. That's kind of where most of these are. But yesterday, my first wedding, this never happened before. I'm in the groom's room, and there's eight groomsmen, 
And there's the two dads, the dad of the bride and the dad of the groom. And it's about time for us to start the wedding. And I usually say, hey, let's pray. And, and, and the guys, you know, the groomsmen in there kind of trying to, okay, you know, cool, figure it out. He's the preacher, you know, he's the holy guy trying to be holy. And, it's just, you know, we'll, we'll close our eyes and we'll bow our head. And, you know, we'll, you know, we'll kind of look around, see there, you know, is he stealing our money or what's he doing, you know? <laughs> so this one was so unusual because, because all of a sudden, one, this, is, this is eight guys, 22 to 24 years old. One guy starts praying, and man, it was good. I'm sitting there thinking, this dude, that's good. And then, then the next groom started praying. I thought, wow, that's even better. And then the third guy, I, we got a Holy Ghost revival going on in the groom's room. Crystal, our wedding coordinator, walks in. It's time to go. And she was smart not to interrupt that because God was doing something cool. All eight of these guys and the two dads are like, we're having a revival in the groom's room. It's like shaking in that room. And I thought to myself, you talk about capacity. You talk about the future of these young men. You talk about the the things that these guys are going to be able to accomplish together as a team. And they're brothers in Christ. They're not even, you know, they're not even legally, you know, relatives. But they're brothers in Christ. What can God do with a woman who is fully devoted and says, I'm going to pull the future into the present. And presently, I'm going to do these things because that's where I'm going. I'm going to do these things today. There's where I'm going. I'm going to do these things today, but that's where I'm going. I'm going to do these things today, but but that's where I'm going. What can God do in you? Whatever your capacity is, He can do something greater. So you submit, you surrender, you put those four baby steps into place, and I believe there's very little limits on what God can do. He encounters you. Will you stand with me? Let's have our prayer partners come down front. If you've never given your life to Christ, I don't know why you wouldn't. You come down front, you meet with one of the prayer partners, and you say to them simply, today's my day. I want to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Today's my day to give him my whole life, my whole heart. Perhaps you would really like to have some special prayer today about what we've talked about. If I'm honest, I've been stuck. If I'm honest, I kind of just come to church. I kind of just go through the motions. If I'm honest, so, so today, maybe you want prayer with somebody today about how you can grow and grow and grow. You are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. We worship you today. Now take our human capacity. Let your Holy Spirit overwhelm our human spirits and change us and grow us and transform us. To your name, to your glory, we pray. Amen. Unstoppable God.